welcome to episode 34 of the What's Up podcast, recorded by Old Ricky Astro. It's the 12th of February, 2019. My name is Martin. I'm Ali. I'm William. And today's podcast is going to be about things that aren't quite how they seem. And this podcast is one of the things that isn't quite how it seems, because there are, in fact, four people in the room this time. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Duncan Forgan, uh, who used to work with ourselves here at the ROE and has since moved on to Pastures New. What, what are you doing now, Duncan? Uh, so I'm still finishing up a job at the University of St Andrews. I'm about to leave academia for industrial pastures. Ooh, I um, see. Yeah, exciting stuff. But <laughs> I'm also into podcasting too. And uh, we've just started a podcast, myself and a few buddies, called The Science of Fiction. And in each episode, we take something that's in science fiction and try and find the science underneath. So we're a couple episodes in. Um, we did Thor's Hammer for the first episode, which was a lot of fun. Trying to find any science in there at all when it's like a magic weapon. I, I um, have listened to this episode. I did enjoy it. Good. Thank you very much. <laughs> I haven't done episode two. What was episode two? Episode two is about time travel. It's quite a good one. Excellent. <laughs> and we've got quite a few more coming up and some really interesting ideas. So I'm looking forward to sharing them with you all. Excellent. Cool. Well, I'll be sure to put a link to your podcast in the show notes so everyone can move on from this once the episode's done. Yes, and, and, and we thank you for all the bribes of beer that you have provided. For oh, no. <laughs> there's no bribery. No bribery. Ah, perish the thought. Perish the thought. <laughs> you, you guys got bribes and I did. <laughs> <laughs> Are you taking requests for which movies to to? Oh to yeah, debunk? if there's something you want to us to talk about on the show, uh, I'd absolutely love that. And I, I I have a couple. Uh, Geostorm. Geostorm. Oh, what's Geostorm? Oh, no. oh it, it's you not seen Geostorm. Oh, it's wonderfully bad. Really? Uh, what, yeah, I, I, I've been encouraging people to watch it because it's it's a way of going. This is how not to science anything. Um, but it's like uh, the weird thing is it's a movie with Gerard Butler. And that's, that's all you need to say. You they, can stop at that point. There's, yeah, a, there's a little grain of truth to it because right at the beginning, uh, they're like, the global crisis with climate change is so bad that all the countries had to club together to save ourselves from ourselves and they spend loads of money. Mm-hmm. But instead of doing sensible things, they build this giant shield of satellites in orbit above cities and the satellites are capable of shooting nukes into hurricanes that make them vanish. And oh, well, it's, it's, it's magical that nature. <laughs> it's, it's, it's magical nukes because they have ones for good weather, ones for bad weather, yes. ones that dissipate wind, ones that create ice storms. Yes, yes. And, and I have many questions about how that you could even build something like that in low Earth orbit. To, oh, to, wow. like, so there's like yeah. some fun stuff in there to get stuck into. And they're like the, the banks of space shuttles they have lined up. There's like thirty space shuttles already ready to launch, all lined up right next to each other. Yeah. Okay. And then, and I, like, I, I, <laughs> was this in the cinema? Oh, it yeah. was. How did you both see it? Like, I'm, no, no, no. Why? I, I paid, Why? I paid, I paid money to rent it because I was like, I watched this movie, so you don't have to. When I gave a talk, um, but I sometimes feel like bad sci-fi is healthy because it allows your brain to go, really, would that work? Well, there's something to be said for like your mega shark, giant octopus films, because which I have not seen, <laughs> because they remind the the listener or the viewer that science fiction isn't real <laughs> there's no such thing as these ridiculous things there's there's not sharknadoes apparently there isn't no. I, ha- I confess i haven't seen that either or that meg one the the more recent giant shark no oh, I, I generally don't go in for these sort of things <laughs> so, I, I like that you've been corralled into doing are you, is the idea to do good movies or take everything well, we just take interesting um, things. Like, so okay. I, I'm the, the the PhD qualified scientist of the group, uh, and we're all old school friends. We've known each other for years, and they're big comic book fans, and they have their own questions about stuff. So a lot of it's just about chatting with that. We're also three very tired dads, so there's <laughs> um, a lot of dad chat in there as well, and some very poor jokes. If you like poor joke, yeah, then then come listen to us. We're terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
So we had fun at a talk recently. Well, recently. When was it? Two years ago? When we tried to... We did the movie Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. They screened it at the Cameo Cinema. And Uh we had to give a science... <clears throat> talk after the film <laughs> and we went there's no way we can like debunk this movie because it's all bunk so we tried to rebunk it and go right, right let's assume flash gordon's correct and then we had to we had a graph with uh brian blessed's wingspan to mass ratio <laughs> and we were trying to work out uh whether or not he'd actually be able to fly and i was talking about ming's Ability to not replace the moon, which that's that's the apocalypse scenario in Flash I, Gordon. I need to be reminded he of He sends this. the moon into the earth. And at the end he dies, but he doesn't die and go, just before I go, I'm going to put the moon back. <laughs> so we had fun talking about what would happen with the moon like being parked like next door um, and the mess that that would ensue. So wow, okay. there, was, there was some pain, but that would be a fun one to see as well. Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> that's good though. That's, that's the kind of thing we're, we're, we're talking about. It's like taking the, the consequences onwards, you know, and, and seeing like where the bits are good and where the bits are bad and then you know, how you can make a science fiction film better yes. by adding more science. Which and that's I, a good example. I think right? it's quite healthy. I'm also scared because we, we, the three of us have never brought out maths and done pencil calculations to work stuff out yet. And then you're like, well, I actually did this. And like, well, well, I'm not ready for that with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much like hard work. <laughs> I've played that one so far. I haven't done it much times yet. But uh, That's cool. Yeah. What else is not as it seems, Martin? So I also heard there's some talk about uh, one of our favourite recent object discoveries, uh, Ultima Thule, Ultima Thule, however you want to call Ultima it. Thule. Why? Why is that not what it seems? Um, well, it, this is coming hot off the back of our last episode, where I confidently said, "Yay, it's a snowman!" And it's not a snowman nope. anymore. And no, it's it's it was fun because this is literally the next set of images that have been downloaded from New Horizons. If you if you missed last month, it's this um, very remote object outside the orbit of Pluto, a wee bit further away, that New Horizons sped past at New Year. And it's sort of a pristine object, but it's also a bit weird and wonky. And there was huge speculation about what shape it was. And the latest results from the very first flyby images were, it's like a snowman, it's two spheres, well, almost perfect spherical icy things stuck together. And it's very interesting. And it still is interesting. But they got some more data. As the probe was leaving very fast, there was like a flash, flash, flash of this thin crescent of Ultima Thule. And it was obscuring some of the background stars. And Mm -hmm. that seems to have been enough for them to go, yeah, it's not even close to spherical. So it turns out we've been a little bit fortunate in that we've seen it kind of flat on. But it turns out the Ultima, the fatter of the two lobes, is actually... What did you call it, Duncan? Ernie? It's a minstrel, right? It's, it's a, a galaxy's minstrel. minstrel. It's the exact shape of a minstrel. It's a huge piece of chocolate. Yeah, it's a it's a big spinning looking it's not flop, chocolate. Like it's, yeah. I, I think we should just clarify. How, how do you know that? <laughs> that that's very true. I don't. Probably, it, I, I, the density thing. We'll come to that. We'll come to that in a minute. That's we'll a good point. Yeah. Okay, stand yeah. correct. You you have science well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this thing it looks like a skipping stone, and it turns out that the the head bit is more spherical, but mm. it's still flatter than people had suspected. So it's not even close to being a snowman. It's more like a standing stone with a pumpkin on it or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, or a minstrel. But yeah, yeah. It was, uh, so that's that's already changed, and that was only the next set of images to come down, and we've still got about twenty months left of data yeah um so yeah. This, this will not be the last you've heard of because they haven't got any images of the, the closest approach yet they sort of done like a, uh, a getting near and a past the other side kind of image but uh, i haven't seen the this is as good as it gets kind of because you thought that might be the one you go for first but mm, but they're kind of i wonder if they're just waiting 
until they've got the data really clean and they've processed yeah, it really somebody's nice. got it on a laptop somewhere yeah. I, and they'll probably pass it over to sort of their the, the teams of amateur artists who then kind of accentuate some of the better features oh. and you exaggerate know, things not exaggerate you know, photoshop bring out bring out <laughs> enhance bring out detail maybe so hubble does that as yeah. Well. Yeah, oh they, yeah they, they had landscape artists in i think with yeah. hubble images to just get the color palette tuned just so your brain goes oh i get it yeah, yeah. you're not actually changing the science you're just allowing our our own eyes to better process the science That's yeah how i see it. i remember reading a thing that said we're better with the color green for judging distances so mm. you know looking at some distant hills which i can currently see out the door that that does make sense mm. i guess so there's a the, like the pillars of creation apparently that green and the fact that they point up the way mm-hmm. was specifically chosen by an artist who knew better than the scientists who were working on the actual data yeah. um and that's one of the reasons why it's been more iconic than say spitzer images which are still really pretty yeah but they haven't been quite fine-tuned to the right color and then palette you could have a big debate about apparently webs getting the same people back in for right. the space telescope science institute or not the same people but more experienced what, practitioners what's, of what's the launch date for in web? Oh, 2021 i believe um yeah. yes yes okay yes definitely um, it is yes. currently is uh last i heard it it passed its last milestone i think because i think they were saying yeah. it's past the acoustic vibration thing which right. is the thing that set it back another mm-hmm. chunk of time the, the sugar test yes yes the, i think they just put it in a room with really loud speakers is that how this works yeah and apparently just go there's, some, it. there's somebody here who, who works there when they were doing the testing and saying it's amazing because there's this deep rumbling sound which kind of fills the whole building uh-huh. because the speakers are so massive are, are i mean you, you are shaking something which is you know a few tons and are you telling me there's a room where that guy from the the cassette tape adverts who puts on the dun 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 in the armchair and his like tie flaps behind him and everything blows away are you saying there's a room where you could do that for real i'm sure somebody's crept in at night and slipped in their favorite cd and just Cranked it up. Face. I, I have a new email request for the people <laughs> in charge of that particular chamber. Oh wow! That would come be on. Cool. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so yes, I think I think Web is is still on the way, and haven't heard any any warning noises or anything from their press office. Okay, good. So I think that's a good thing. We've gone on a tangent here. It's, well, the, it's a nice. I've been making the connection to Web with the moon landings, and I know that sounds a bit. No, no, don't go down the road. That's another tangent. But the, the the like the moon landings was a nice. So we're going to do that, and then it's the engineering you need to get it done. And so I web see. is very similar in that we're going to do that. And the only way to do it is to go into space and go into space big. Mm. Here, here is how you do it. So it's like trying to find that sort of connection to, to crazy big engineering projects. So are you saying so, we're going to go, go land on the moon before web launches? Is that kind of what you're... <laughs> I think China will beat us to that. Uh, with their, like, and I'm no, not by 2021. They have their sample no. return thing coming soon. So that, that could be fun too. But yes, yeah. you're right. I've gone slightly off topic. <laughs> Reining him in. <laughs> even the topics aren't what they seem today. Um, ah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, even Ultima Thule's name is now up for grabs, I think. Yeah, so, so I was looking into this and um, yeah, there's been a bit of a debate on Twitter that some people might have been following. So Ultima Thule? I think Thule is the official pronunciation that so I have been hearing. Ultima Thule comes <laughs> back to us from Greek and Roman times and there's, it's a mythological place far away to the west. Um, it might have referred to, to the British Isles at some point, where before they came to us. Um, to really? A, a mm. distant frozen island. So, I know we're not mentioning the B word, but are you putting a Brexit stamp on the most distant object we know of? Is that, uh, that, are no, you claiming no, it for the crown? No, no, that is a tangent. <laughs> Sorry, that is. <laughs> right. So this, this mystical island was kind of co-opted by the Nazis as the mythological site where the Aryan race was born. That's, that's the alleged... 
link. So, so brand equals tainted. Now. So this is the question, which is, you know, for whatever reason, the people involved in the mission have named the thing Ultima Thule, probably without even being aware of this, right? Mm. Um, although there's been some suggestions that some people were aware of it and just kept their mouth shut. I'm not going to say anything anywhere. That's an, that's an allegation. Um, but the question is, even if you didn't know and you know now, what do you do? Do you change the name? Mm. Which, I get, which always makes it a bigger deal. Make mm. more of it by doing that. Yeah. I, 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 it sort of, I mean, it's never been the official name, right? So this has no. always been a sort of, they were having fun and they did have like a voting thing at one point as well. Like, yeah. Similar to Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> and then maybe they vetted some of the worst ones and just yeah. sort of let that one through and didn't realize that would be an issue. Yeah. But they, I thought there was an expectation that they'd change the name once we knew more about it to maybe choose a more appropriate name. But the trouble is, uh, that doesn't ever work, does it? Because once you've kind of picked a whole yeah, name, the first name tends to stay. Yeah. Because like, Boaty McBoatface is still Boaty McBoatface. Everyone right? knows. Body McBoatface. Yeah, yes. it's got another name. Something else. <laughs> who knows? Who cares? Yeah. Well, this is it. You can also rename it, but that doesn't matter because everyone no. calls it the thing. The, yeah. the, the thing that formerly was called such and such. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the asteroid formerly known as <laughs> Ultima Thule. <laughs> it does beg the question, though, because like, if there's anyone listening who's ever paid for naming a star, you, you, you probably did pay for that, but then there's no astronomer on the planet who will acknowledge said star name. It's not official. No, it's, it's never, not in a catalogue. It'll be in the small print somewhere that that's not a thing. Yeah. And it's a nice novelty gift, but that's it. So it'd save you money. Um, and even if we wanted to name a star, we wouldn't find that easy because you've got to go through the official channel, mm. which pretty much not, means the IAU, right? You and it's not as if you could just call your star Bob. Yeah, you know, it's, even, it's got to fit the mythology. Uh, it's like trying to it's like trying to keep Star Trek on track. Yeah, <laughs> you know, fold in. Oh, wait, how's that character connected? So yeah, you got to. Yeah, we've, we've got people on site here who have an asteroid who has an asteroid named after him. Um, officially, officially, now but that it's is just cool. that there's a number and then someone else's name slash Davies, and that's his stamp on it. Which okay is more than I'm ever going to get. So don't I'm not I'm not disparaging this, but. Mm. That's what you get. It's not as if you get to choose what you call it and all this kind of stuff. That's a good yeah. question for, for Mr. Davies, is if somebody goes there to prospect, does he get to claim <laughs> <laughs> salvage rights or whatever he, on his particular rock? He always says that he, unless it can land on him or he can land on it, he's not interested in the object. I. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the idea that someone will get there at some point. I think that's unique to commentary bodies and they can be named after discoverers. Comets, asteroids, mm-hmm. whereas stars they, they can no. be named after a person in the same way. You know, if, no. if, you, if you get a new telescope and you see a new star, you don't get to name it after yourself and put a number next to it, which no. is basically what you can do so, if you happen to be the person who finds it. Okay, a, so following that logic, does that mean who discovered the rock, well, the thing that is Ultima Thule? Because maybe by convention it's technically a cometary-like thing, mm. just the fact that mm. it hasn't wandered any closer. I'm guessing it was Hubble images, wasn't yeah, it? So maybe they, the they, PI they, on that particular Hubble. Well, so it was, it was New Horizons, yeah. the probe that went to Pluto and then went to this object. Yeah. And I think it was when, their team that picked the target, right? But I think when they had, on the approach to Pluto, mm-hmm. they effectively were scanning, they were doing Hubble deep imaging in the direction that they knew they could get to yeah. to try and find a, a likely suitable candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, because I find, I mean, this thing's so far away, it's relatively small, it's probably not, you know, it's not that bright. I'm still, mm. I'm still amazed they were able to sort of fine-tune that kind oh, of approach. They, they, they knew a great deal about it just from occultations of starlight. So mm. they could see that this, this object was kind of blocking out the local star field in a certain way and they could get the shape. So the, yeah. the initial snowman kind of shape 
is really close to what they were getting from the ground. Yeah, yeah. they totally weren't wrong, but yeah. at the same time, everybody on the ground went, it's a snowman. And yeah. then you realise you you're oh, one dimension missing. Yeah, your... <laughs> let's look around the back a bit. Oh dear. Oh, <laughs> it's, minstrels. It's right, a minstrel, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a revel. I mean, they're slightly more oblate. It's anyway. maybe a minstrel stuck to a revel. That's what I like to think. It's just a big galactic bag of sweeties. It's like, what? Yeah, it's just making me hungry now. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know what I'd call it, but then maybe we should just ask for suggestions. Let's maybe see what the IAU want to call it eventually. Mm-hmm. For the record, Comet McComet face isn't going to go Comet McComet face? But it's good, good press to get publicity. I mean, maybe yeah. even the not, I mean, they always say, you know, the no news is bad news or whatever, that, that if, you, if you went down the, the Nazi comet route, you know, you, at least everyone's going to hear about it. You know, okay, yeah. I'm going to walk us back from yeah. that particular <laughs> <laughs> So things that aren't oh, what they seem. I believe our own Milky Way has come up in the recent conversations oh, about it's, not looking how it seems. It's been a wee bit twisted. Yeah. Oh. It, it, apparently it's warped, right? So if you if you take you think of the Milky Way as like a plate, you can imagine just pulling it at two sides and it has like a warp, which is interesting. Wait, is that like that Dali thing with the melting clocks? The, like the one that's hanging off the table? So A little bit. Although I think it's a, <laughs> Maybe a bit less than that. <laughs> That's quite a severe warp. Yeah. Yeah. There's a study which has been looking at uh, Cepheid variables, which are these uh, bright stars which pulsate and they change in their brightness. And the variation in the brightness is very closely matched to how bright they are. And therefore, by just by looking at the period of the variation, you can work out how far away they are. And actually, they're incredibly important stars. They are used all the time to help us work out distance to objects. In fact, they're the thing which Hubble used back in the 20s to say, hey, we're either other. In other galaxies. So um, am I right in thinking it's to do with how fast they pulsate tells you how bright the star is yeah. and mm-hmm. when you know how bright something is that gives you the distance yes. you can measure from the ground. And it's yes, a yes. really nice correlation. So they've used these really bright objects to map out across the whole of the Milky Way because the difficulty is actually so you're using you know, it's actually quite hard to see the other side of the Milky Way um, So because there's all the dust within lying along the plate um, if we come back to the, the plate analogy um, which means if you're sitting where we are if you try to look to the other side of the Milky Way you you just see dust. If you go to the infrared, um, you can sort of see through through that dust. Um, but then you have to look for something pretty damn bright because it's still reducing the light a little bit. So the Cepheid variables are a key way of doing this. And this group have used WISE. Wise, us, I think, yeah. Um, and they've mapped out, I think, a thousand, two and a half thousand objects um, mm-hmm. across the whole of the Milky Way. And from this, when you put them all on a map, they should all be on a big flat plane, a big flat, flat plate sort of thing. And in fact, it's, it's squiffed. Uh, which is kind of <laughs> intriguing. Yeah, yeah. So I like why is that was the Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer. Explorer. Oh, thank you, Duncan. Well um, so I think it's run out of coolant, but it is still going in warm mode. Um, yeah. So you'd... does anybody know if this was the old data when it was cold? Uh, or okay. It's interesting because that's, yeah, it's like a nice precursor for webby stuff because web's more of an infrared specialist than it is a Hubble replacement kind of thing. Yeah, so, which mm. does, it gives you new science. You're allowed to, you know, you yeah. can see... Well, to the outside of our galaxy, which is kind of quite cool. Um, but I think the word to be very clear about is that you see a lot of pictures of the Milky Way, which are taken sort of side on this lovely spiral thing. Yeah. And those are all artist impressions. Yes. Like the big problem with measuring anything about our own galaxy is that we're in the middle of it. Yeah. Well, we're off to the edge of it, but you're in it. Yeah. Wood is a trees problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think more often than not, what people do is they look at Andromeda, which is like our, our, our neighbor galaxy, and go, eh, it looks a bit like that. And <laughs> yeah. then they just make an artist impression saying, if the Milky Way was Andromeda, it would look like this. And you'd go, okay, fine. There. And we, we know quite well where the spiral arms are in the Milky Way. We can measure those um, you know, very clever techniques of figuring out where we are, where the arms are, 
and then looking at the speed of different things are moving at and reconstructing the picture. But you don't get like the nice artist impression <laughs> that, that we always look at. There's a bit of me that's slightly sad because I remember when I was a kid and it, the Milky Way was this perfect spiral with like beautiful mm. arms and we we're sat on one of the arms. And then you look at the most modern reconstruction of that and there's like arms and half arms and mm. Sagittarius bit and then another bit sticks out. And so it's, it's definitely not as tidy as that. And now you're, no. you're warping my nice perfect disc now as well. And I'm like, the galaxy's a mess. <laughs> it's like when you try and buy a house and like you go through the catalogue and it's all really nice and shiny, really nice photographs. Then you move in and the boiler's broken. And there's a radiator hanging off the wall. And it's never quite as good as you coming up. Yeah. The, Milky, the Milky Way still works. It's yeah. just, it's just a, big, it's a big kift. Like, Are we having snagging uh, issues with the Milky Way? Is that yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to call my landlord and say, excuse me, this galaxy is totally warped. <laughs> Have a you, can you bring in a specialist to fix it? <laughs> I think one of the surprising things is that, that there are there are some other galaxies which are twisted, um, or similar looking spiral galaxies. So mm. it's not ludicrous, but it doesn't seem to. I think it's most generally things aren't, which means so Milky Way is in a slightly. We're living in a slightly less than normal galaxy, which is. But then I don't think it's really clear at this point. You know what what constitutes normal, normal. Um, <laughs> but. But it seems to be that it's it's not to do with like Andromeda pulling bits of material or anything like so it's that. It's not like a close pass. Or it's anything. not like an like a tidal interaction or anything. Okay. It's just that there's some slight misalignment between the two, the many different discs that make up the galaxy, and that the gas disc and the stellar disc are a little bit out of alignment, and this is generating this kind of feature. But there is a sort of warp in the gas disc, I think, as well. Yeah, that, so that's yeah, that's the that's, the, that's of... the warp they're getting is in the gas disc from the fact that the. The star, the, the star disk, and the gas disk in the inner part are slightly misaligned. Yeah, and you get this kind of force that some sort of torque, which this, is this kind torque of torque, which kind yeah. of squeezes and pulls. So they make that. So it does look quite a, a subtle feature. You know, mm. it's not. It's not like there's there's loads of the stellar population is in this warpy bit, but there's no. enough of it to make you go. There's definitely. I, mean, I think it would if you looked at the Milky Way, it still looked like a plate. It wouldn't look, look like a Z, right? Which is <laughs> <laughs> I think some pictures that, have shown. That's it, a relief. Right? That, that's yeah, kept me happy. I, I, I'm happier living on a plate than a Z. Yeah, I think that's that's quite good. <laughs> But it's quite. It's always always find these things about the Milky Way kind of really exciting because we have this perception that we're you know we're exploring distant galaxies, we're trying to understand it, and actually our own galaxy still got so many things we don't really know that much about. Mm. Um, I mean, even, even actually like the structure on the far side, we've got indications from things studies like this actually, obviously, but it's still a little bit hazy. I'm not quite yeah. sure. Uh, I mean, you know, we, still say, a, we can't we still see our Milky bar, Way, right? We do have a bar. In yeah, we, we've got, yeah, the, we we've got the bar, yeah. but we can see into the, the Milky Way. That's easier. Like seeing out and around is the hard bit. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that reminds me. We, we actually saw the uh, Sagittarius A star. Like there was a, a thing that came out. This is probably a conversation for another day because I didn't read the article. But they they got uh, an image of the really down close to the actual black hole itself, and they have it's a blob, and it's a blob around about the size of the blob from simulations of what this black hole's event horizon might actually so look like. So this is like. the black hole at the centre of the galaxy, yes. the supermassive one. Yes, yeah. and it's it's not crazy bright. Like, you get some active galaxies that are shining out across the universe. This one's a bit of a flickery thing. Flickery. But it's still our black hole, supermassive, uh, four million times the mass of the sun. But yeah, they've, they've officially seen light coming from around that region now, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so this is light before it falls down the plug hole. And then we still have the event horizon data to come. That was the team that were observing. Yeah, because that's going to be this year, isn't it? So yeah, that was that. just, and, and whether, yeah. annoyingly though, it kind of looked like what they were expecting from the simulations. So it doesn't fit in with uh, the topic. For just exactly as this is that right where they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's because it's linked with general relativity, which seems to always be exactly as we expect. Yes. Which yeah. is, know, at some point it's going to get old news, isn't it? You know? Oh, great. We've proved that general relativity is still right. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, well done, Einstein. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but we've discussed minstrels, we've discussed uh, galaxies and Milky Ways. I, for one, am getting very hungry. <laughs> uh, I think we should call it here, uh, and don't forget to talk about uh, the 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 science of fiction. The science of fiction. If you, if you look us on iTunes, the science of fiction, you'll find us. There's there's a picture of of, of my face, so <laughs> <laughs> and and my co-star Stuart Stovey. So you, you'll be able to tell tell us from there. So if you see three sort of geeky looking nerds and a stellar background, then that's us. Well, thank you very much for listening. Cheers, all. Bye. Bye. Bye.